And so today we're going to take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. Um, don't need to turn there immediately. It'll come up when, when it's time. Uh, title of this message is The Big What If. Any of you ever asked the question, what if, dot, 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 what if this, what if that? I find myself in life going, going through life and asking, what if, what if? And I found myself uh, a number of years ago, April and I uh, had the privilege of serving with the Alliance over in Indonesia, and one of the tasks that was given to me was to be a part of helping in uh, natural disasters and relief. And we had a, a sizable earthquake, and I spoke about that at one time here in the church. And we were asked to go to an island called the island of Sumatra. Most of you know, if you're a coffee drinker, the island of Sumatra is where the good coffee of Java comes from. So you look at your bag and you're going, oh, this is Sumatra. Well, it was on that island and a little in a city of about 3 million called Padang. <clears throat> and there was a horrific earthquake, loss of life, and a lot of structures were destroyed and damaged. And so they had asked me and a team, put together a team really quick, and we got in there. And one of our tasks was to go alongside of Samaritan's Purse uh, because Samaritan's Purse didn't have translators and they needed people to help them with logistics. And so... We jumped in and we worked uh, because they're part of the body of Christ and we're part of the body of Christ, so we just worked hand in hand together. And so uh, got there and the second day I was there, they said, hey, we need you to jump on a helicopter, uh, need to go up, to the, up, up, up into the villages up on the mountainside. Um, uh, we've got a LZ there, a landing zone, and we're going to be dropping uh, 30 tons of rice today. We need you to get there and help translate and make sure that everything goes smoothly, as smooth as possible in this situation. That's pretty pumped. I was excited. <clears throat> uh, we were standing at the, at the uh, helipad there on the airport, uh, probably about 5.30 in the morning. The sun had just come up, and I could hear off from the distance. And it came in, this huge bird. It was an amazing helicopter. And the tailgate dropped down, and a couple Marines came out, took their positions, uh, the engine shut down, we boarded, engines fired back up again, and I'm sitting in my seat, and I'm looking up, and I'm looking at all of the hydraulic lines and electrical lines that are all exposed up there, and I'm noticing dripping, and I'm going, what if, what if this, air, <laughs> this aircraft goes down? It's, it, and then this uh, crew member saw me looking at it, and I think he probably saw a distressed look on my face, and he goes, oh, don't worry about it. As long as it's dripping, we're good. When it stops dripping, that's when we got a problem. And then I noticed between his legs was a fire extinguisher, and I'm going, oh, shoot, what in the world is going on? Well, this week, last week, actually, I got to talk to a Marine, and, and I was telling him this story, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been on one of those, and we were out in, I think it was Camp Lejeune, and they were doing uh, exercises, and putting it down, running out, doing all their stuff, live fire back in again and up. And he said, well, get up in the air, and all of a sudden a fire breaks out. And he's looking at it, and the crewman just goes, blows it out, and it just keeps going. And they went on the rest of the day, knocking the fire out and then and running. I'm going, what if, what if the fire got away, you know? What would happen? Well, I understand that a helicopter has a, a, helicopter has a, a, a bolt on, on a lot of the helicopters. And it's a main, a main nut, not a bolt. And they call it the Jesus nut. 
And the reason they call it the Jesus nut is because if it comes off, everybody in the aircraft is going, oh, Jesus, help us, because that's what keeps the prop on. And so today we're going to talk about the one main thing in our faith that is more important than anything else. We're going to talk about, as you, as you might say, uh, the Jesus nut. And, and Paul is addressing in, in our scriptures here today um, something that, that is happening in the church. Uh, and if you've been with us for the last couple of months, you'll realize that Paul, through the, this sec, first book of Corinthians, has been correcting false doctrine and things like that. And today he comes up with a subject that he's addressing is just false thinking that there's no such a thing as a bodily resurrection. Now, scholars tell us they don't know exactly where this belief came from, except for the closest they can come up with is that the church of Corinth was in a, in a highly Greek area, and Greek philosophers have the belief that uh, the body is corrupt and the soul is good. And so when a person dies... The body goes down and is buried in the ground and is eaten by maggots and nothing is left of it. And then the soul goes back to what they believe, the fire god, and becomes one with the god of fire. And so these are a lot of new believers and, and probably some of them had been involved in this kind of uh, philosophical thinking and this kind of religious thinking. And so you can understand that when... Uh, Paul, in the first couple chapters, talks about Christ dying and then rising again. They're like scratching their head going, no, I don't think that happens because the body is a horrible thing and the soul is a good thing and the only thing that's left is the soul. And Paul is coming and saying, no, um, that's not the case. Now, when April and I were in Malaysia, we ran across this same kind of thinking. It's a kind of a, a philosophy or a kind of a religious belief system among Buddhists. Uh, they have a festival called the Hungry Ghost Festival. And the Hungry Ghost Festival is, is, uh, is a festival because the Buddhists believe that when a person dies, their body goes into the ground, but their soul is released, and it's going around trying to find a place to rest. And so they have a, a festival called the Hungry Ghost Festival, and what they do is they make these little sweet cakes that are very, very sticky, and they put them in front of all the entrances of their house because they believe when the hungry ghost comes, because it's this certain time of the, of the season when the moon is exactly right and a certain time of the year that the hungry ghosts come out and they start looking for someone to uh, infest or someone to be a part of. And so they don't want that, and they're afraid that their soul is going to be stolen, so they have these sticky cakes, and they think that when the hungry ghost comes, he sees it, and he goes, oh, that looks yummy. He takes a bite. And then his mouth is stuck shut. And then and they have these uh, dramas and all kinds of stuff trying to entertain these hungry ghosts that are going around. Now, <clears throat> here's the deal. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, our religion and our belief system would be no different than theirs. You see, the resurrection of, of Christ from the dead in the bodily form is actually the, the hitch pin. You guys know what a hitch pin is? Got a lot of people who have been in agriculture. Hitch pin is that pin that goes between the tractor. All of that power in the implement back in the back. And you back the tractor up, put the tongue in, and you drop the hitch pin in. That hitch pin isn't there. Guess what happens? The tractor moves and the implement sits there and nothing's done. A bunch of dirt spit up by the wheels and whatnot. It's a lot like a hinge pin. 
The doors are all held by a hinge pin. So for those of you who aren't uh, implement people and don't know heavy equipment, every single one of us, when we go into our house, there's a hinge pin on the door. When those hinge pins aren't there, guess what happens to the door? It falls off. We can't close it or can't open it. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the bodily form is the hitch pin, it's the hinge pin, it's the Jesus bolt of all of our beliefs. And so Paul is coming and saying, this is a big deal. And I don't know where you guys got this thinking that Jesus uh, was not born, was born, died, and was not raised again in a bodily form. He says, basically what he says in verse 12 and 13, he says, there's no foundation to our faith if that's really what we believe. So verse 12 says this, now if Christ is proclaimed as risen from the dead, how can some say to you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And so Paul starts to remind them right here in the beginning in the first part of uh, verse 12 of what he taught them. You remember last week when Ken was preaching verses 3 and 4 was very specifically about uh, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what it says, verse 3 and 4 of uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. For I delivered to you as of one importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance to scripture. And so Paul's saying, guys, we just talked about this. What, what's going on? This is the message that, that I brought to you from the very beginning. And Paul uh, is wanting to correct this uh, false theology. In verse 13 he says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ was raised. So if the dead are not raised, then the foundation of our faith is non-existence, non-existent. Christ's life was a big waste. His teachings were just the teachings of none other than a ranting lunatic. Granted, he did a lot of great things and people were healed. And even Ken talked about Lazarus. He was raised from the dead, but Lazarus died again. So if Christ did not come back to life in the bodily form, our future is a hopeless future. There's no other resurrection than Jesus is still in the tomb. And his followers uh, of, of, of Christianity and, and these people would be no better than the other people around them. They might as well, uh, but their faith is useless. In verses 14 and six, through 16 it says, and if Christ has been risen then our preaching is in vain. If Christ has not been risen, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. You are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ whom he did not, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And so Paul is saying, there's no, no reason for our faith. We have no faith. He says in this portion, in these three verses, he says that there are three areas that if they're true, makes our faith baseless. There's no reason for our faith. And the first one is found in verse 14. And if Christ has not 
been raised, then our preaching is in vain. So all preaching about Christ is useless according to Paul. Uh, all of the teaching that you've heard about uh, what happened to Jesus when he died and after he died he rose again, we, we find in John chapter 20 verse 2 that a story about Mary Magdalene and, and, and her going to the gravesite and, and seeing that the tomb was empty. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 5 and 8, Ken alluded to the over 500 witnesses who actually saw the bodily resurrected Christ. And he's saying to them, if Christ didn't raise, then everything we've taught you, all of our preaching is in vain. And not only is Paul's preaching in vain, but Wesley's, John Wesley's preaching is in vain. And D.L. Moody's preaching is in vain. And Billy Graham's teaching is in vain. And John Edwards' teaching is in vain. And we can go on and on and on, naming the names of the great pastors and evangelists um, who, who are proclaiming the risen Savior and the risen Lord. And if that's the case, uh, if, if our preaching is useless and in vain, that, that means that there are millions and millions of people, people who have believed the lie that's been proclaimed about the bodily resurrection of Jesus. They've all been fools, and they've all been fooled. And if that's the case, then Paul's putting out the argument saying, we're all fools then, if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead in a bodily form. Next thing he says in verse 14 is he says, uh, your faith is in vain. So our faith is useless. There's nothing to our faith. Um, what we believe is, is dead. It's gone. There's, there's nothing there. If Jesus didn't come back to life again, then all preaching, teaching, and every, every message you've ever listened to on the radio, and every song, like the song we just sang, His Love, His Love Awakens Me, and the songs we've sung about the resurrection of Christ, they're all in vain. Our faith is useless. And we've bought into one of the biggest hoax of all times. And that's what Paul says. He says, also in verse 15, we are all false witnesses. Now this is a big deal. In verse 15 he says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Paul knows that this is a, it's a, it's a major thing. You know what happens to a prophet who prophesies and who teaches something false in Paul's day? He's stoned. He's killed. His life is ended. And so Paul's saying, folks, if Christ didn't rise from the dead and all the teaching from the very beginning that you believe is false, I'm basically deserving of a stoning. And all of you who have told your friends that Jesus Christ died and that three days later he rose again, guess what you all deserve? Every single one of you all deserve death. You deserve a stoning because you're false prophets. You're, you're teaching a testimony that's completely wrong. It's important. It's very, very important. We understand who Paul is. Paul is an educated man. And he came from a probably a wealthy class. He's an aristocrat. And, and, and Paul's mission in life was to snuff out the news of the crucified Christ 
and the risen Christ. And that he was headed, he was headed on the road to Damascus. He was headed to Damascus to take care of a group of Christians that he knew who were there. And Jesus Christ met him there on that road. And he saw Christ in the bodily form. So if Paul believes this, he's willing to put away all of his, all of his inheritance. In fact, he's already done that. Guess what Paul's already been? He's already been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's going to be in prison. And it's all for one belief that Christ was raised in a bodily form. Paul would have to be a raving lunatic and a madman to go throughout the region and tell people about Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, if it wasn't true. He would be stoned. He would be killed. In verse 17, we see this. Uh, we are not forgiven. If it's true that Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, there would be no forgiveness. Verse 17 says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are all still in your sin. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a big deal. It's the hitch pin to our faith. It's the, it's the uh, pin that holds the hinges together on our faith. The message we believe is that God out of his love for us, came down as his son, Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. Virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died a cruel death on the cross. And three days later, death could not hold him down. And three days later, he rose from the ground. And three days later, there was a stamp of approval because God said, it is finished. The sacrifice was a perfect sacrifice. But if Christ didn't rise from the dead, that would be a tantamount to God saying the sacrifice was not good enough. And guess where we would be left? We would be left in a situation where we don't have a justifier of our faith. We don't have a redeemer. We don't have one who cleanses our sins. In Romans chapter 4, Verse 25, saying about Jesus, speaking about Jesus, who was delivered up for our transgressions and raised for our justification. That's what Romans chapter 4, verse 25 is talking about, about our transgressions. And it says he was raised for our justification. So if Christ was not raised from the dead and he is still in the tomb, then we are not justified and our sins are still upon us, and we're bound for hell, and we better find a redeemer, and we better find a way to have our sins forgiven. You see how important the resurrection of Jesus Christ is? We have no future is what we find in, in verses 18 and 19. In these verses, the Apostle Paul tells us, if Jesus is still dead, we have no hope for the future. He shows us two terrible things that are true if Christ is still in the grave. And the first thing is, our loved ones who have died are lost forever. Verse 18 says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That word fallen asleep, literally translated, have died. 
Those who have died in Christ, believing in Christ, are gone. They perished. There's nothing there. Our, one of the joys we have in our Christian faith is that we understand because of the resurrected Christ that our uncles and aunts and grandfather and grandmother and brothers and sisters and mothers and wives and dads who trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, one day, one glorious day, we'll see them again. But if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, and Paul says that when they went to the grave, they had all perished. And guess where they are? They're separated from God in a Christless eternity facing hell. They're no different than a dog or a cat that gets run over by a dog, by, by a, a truck hauling dog food. Flat on the highway, rotting. That's what he says we'd be like if Christ didn't rise. We have no future, we have no hope of ever seeing our loved ones ever again. And the second thing that he said is just absolutely amazing is that our lives have been lived in vain. In verse 19, he says, if in, Christ we have, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Might as well have a big pity party is what he's saying. Because if Christ didn't come back to life again, of all people, we have believed a lie. We believe a message that's been given to us, a promise that is empty, nothing there. A promise like we find in Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight: Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. If Christ hadn't died and rose again, if he hadn't risen from the dead, this promise would be in vain. A promise that we all know, and most of us have memorized, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That promise, would not be fulfilled if Jesus was still in the grave. And here's one that is comforting me every time I read it. It's Psalms 103, verse 12. I'm talking about our sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Talking about Christ and his death. As far as the east is from the west, they never come back together again. That's how far our sins have been removed. But if Jesus Christ hadn't died, if Jesus Christ was buried and remained buried and had not risen again, then these promises would be totally false. And now you guys are going, boy, you are sure depressing. Don't you have good news for us? Well, I do have good news, and it's, it's in verse, verse 20. And I'm just going to share the very beginning part of it. Because Sean's going to share even more next week. And I wished I was here because I'm pretty excited about the resurrection. It's good news that we have a blessed assurance. We have an assurance that Jesus Christ did come back to life from the dead. In verse 20 it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who it's a big deal. It's a huge deal that Jesus Christ 
came back from the dead. We have a lot of songs that we sing about the blood of Christ and about the crucifixion. And I love Easter. And I think it's one of Ken's favorite times of the year is because we get to talk about the most important. The cross is important, yes. But the cross would be nothing if Jesus was still in the grave today. And that's what Paul's saying to him. Saying, your thinking is false. Your thinking is false. But there is hope. Because your false thinking, if you turn it around and start believing like I taught you from the very beginning, you'll realize. You'll realize that because Jesus lives, we all can have life and live life in fullness and abundance for all eternity. That we all have a true foundation. Our faith is good. We all have hope for life after death. We all need to tell people about this hope. The biggest what if question, what if Christ did not raise from the dead? I want to assure you that the answer to that is he did come back to life after three days in the grave. He did conquer death. And that's a question you don't even ever have to ask yourself. Be assured that when the scripture says that Christ rose again, he did. How do I know? Because I know what the risen Christ has done for me in my life. I know what the scripture says, but the changes it's done for me and the changes it's made in my life and the freedom I have because of the resurrected and living Lord, Jesus Christ. That's why I know it's true. There's a hymn. There's a hymn that, that's been sung through the ages. And I think it's a, it's a great hymn. I love the words to it. God sent his son. They call him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Join me on the chorus. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives, all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth a living just because he lives. You all have testified today. And you agree with me. Because you sang this song. That Jesus Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the good news that you sent your son Jesus to be born of a virgin. To live in this world as a, a sinless man 
fully man, fully human in a body. Christ, you bore all of our sins on the cross. You're the supreme sacrifice. You died a cruel death. And then you were placed in the grave. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for coming and providing the greatest sacrifice that ever could be given in Jesus Christ. Thank you that, Christ, you went to the dead and you conquered death. And today you live. And thank you that because you live today, we have hope for today, for tomorrow, and through all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray.